Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Business That Matters Spotlight. This is Warren Coughlin, your host. And I'm really excited to welcome another Canadian to the show today, uh, up just around the Ottawa area. Casey Gray is the Conscious Builder. His business is called the Conscious Builder. He's also the host of another podcast called the Con- Conscious Builder Show. Um, I think this is really cool. Well, well, first, welcome to the show, Casey. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Warren. This is great. So, the, on your website, you you define Conscious Builder, and I I love this. It's um, making conscious decisions, being aware of how every decision and every action will have an impact. And we want to make sure those decisions and actions create positive and lasting changes for you, your family, and the planet. Did you, uh, how long have, how long have you been focused on that kind of definition in the building space? Uh, well, that word, I guess, came into, started to really come into focus the word conscious that is, uh, probably, well, I got to go back now. Uh, not too long after I started my business. So let's just say 11, 10, 11 years. Uh, and my wife and I went to a Tony Robbins event and that kind of, that was the catalyst to a lot of personal development and growth. Uh, and the word that came into focus for us was that word conscious. And it's really just being aware. We, be, we started to become very aware of the language we use, the questions we asked uh, what our purpose was like basically all, all aspects of life. And then I started to think about how this affects the business. Uh, and what I can do. And not too long after that, we found out we were having our, uh, our first son. And that's when it really started to change where the focus was on the business. Uh, and we kicked it off with the, uh, a certified passive home, which we could get into that if need be, but that may be a longer conversation. Uh, but that whole transition to the conscious builder uh, has kind of happened gradually over a couple of years, but we've really been doing and uh, working and building on projects like that for about nine years at this point. And so you were building before then you had your business existed uh, as a, as a, as a home renovation business or a new home builder. Like what was it before you made the shift? We were doing both. So we're still doing the same thing. We just shifted the focus on the types of projects that we were doing. So we're still doing custom homes and we're still doing renovations, but it wasn't just, it's not just another custom home or another renovation. It's, it's more renovations that are improving the performance, the health, the comfort, the efficiency of a home. And we're not building homes. If people reach out to us and just want to build a minimum code home, essentially build it as cheap as possible. Uh, we're not interested in taking those projects. So we just pass on those. But we've been so with doing that, that uh, 12 years. Like I've been in business about 12 years, really focused on this for about nine years, but in construction, almost 20 years at this point. Oh, wow. Nice. So what was your background before? How did you get into it? Were you, did you work for somebody else? Were you in another line of work? Well, I worked, uh, I went into construction right out of high school, essentially uh, 17 started working for a contractor and uh, it turned down a couple of jobs before I found this one contractor and worked for him for almost seven years. 
and learned from a couple good carpenters and got my license and always knew that I wanted to go off on my own. Didn't really know why, other than the fact that, you know, when you're young, you just want to make money and kind of have control of your schedule. A uh, little, as you, as you know, as entrepreneurs, you just end up working more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. How, uh, how much control did you really get? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, that, that was always kind of the goal, but I learned a lot of the, the original carpentry work working for that one company. And that was really my only construction job uh, before I went off on my own. And so with the business, let's just look at the business as a business before we get into the, the conscious side. So who do you serve? Like who, who buys from you? Cause you just said, so, so there's certain people you don't want to, you don't want to work with. Um, yeah. So like who, all the people who are finding us are people who are already aware that they can build better, right? A lot of people, that's why we put a lot of content out. So a lot of people who end up reaching out to us have either been watching our YouTube channel or been listening to our podcast. So they're very much aware of what's possible and they know that there's a better way to build, right? Or there's a better way to do something. And those are like, we don't have to do a ton of projects, right? Cause we're not like a massive company. Uh, so the people who are reaching out to us for the most part seem to be younger families uh, that are aware of the environment and their environment and health and very conscious of that and want to make sure that if they're going to do a project that they're going to do it right because they usually are reaching out and they want to do work like this because it is a long-term investment for them they're not trying to flip a house or that they know that they're going to be there for an extended period of time so they want to make sure it's done right right and so what, what's the array of services that you offer like, is it just custom home building, but you do, you do a couple other things. You do home renovations and then you've got some stuff like plans that you've created on your own, right? So we haven't created plans. So we do, we did partner and we're promoting some plans that were done through, through passive design. But for what we do, we essentially we're a general contractor, but we're also being in Ontario. So we're a Terry on builder. So, which is the law in Ontario to be a, a home builder. So we offer that warranty. Uh, and then we do a lot of renovations as well. So anything to do with residential, like my team is a team of carpenters. And so we, we do a lot of work in-house because we do a lot of work that's different than the norm, so to speak. So we have to do it in-house or we're doing projects that are uh, other people don't want to touch, <laughs> right? So uh, yeah, those, those are, so we're doing a lot of carpentry and we'll, we'll take it from start to finish, like digging the whole foundation framing, like everything right through to finishing. Uh, we typically don't manage landscape. We don't do landscaping. Um, a lot of times we bring it up to like just before landscaping and then the clients will hire somebody else to do the landscaping portion of it. Of the project. So what, what would make a project that somebody else wouldn't want to take on that you would? Uh, renovating a 160 year old stone home <laughs> to make it more energy efficient and, and airtight. Uh, so gutting the whole house and fixing it all up, which is, we did some videos on that. Another one would be a hundred year old uh, double width brick home that the clients wanted to bring up to kind of net zero or beyond net zero standard, kind of towards passive house standards. Uh, we also did that. So that's on a tight lot where you can't put a dumpster bin. There's no driveway at the front. There's a small little laneway to get stuff in on the back. Uh, so they're, they're projects that you're not just taking two by fours. Like the way most people build is they, you know, they're slapping two by fours or two by sixes together. They put some OSB on the outside, maybe a little bit of insulation. They strap it, put some siding on, you know, insulation is in between the studs and some poly. Like we're not doing details like that because those details aren't good building practices they're code they meet code but they're not 
beyond code. Like code, I always tell people is is the worst house you're allowed to build by law. So if you want to build that, that's right. fine. We're just not interested. <laughs> and with the, so there's better products. There's better building practices. Uh, there's a way. There's you, you have to think of your home as a system, right? It's not just. It's like you know, if you look at our body, it's not just one thing. You kind of everything within your body works together. And if one thing's out of balance, it usually affects another thing. Yeah, that's, uh, right. that's the same thing. The way a house works, right? If if one thing's not working properly, it's going to affect another thing. So what is that? And so we we definitely approach it as a as a home as a system approach. And uh, it's not just us. It's it's us the designer architect and the energy advisor working together in an integrated design process with the homeowner. Okay. So to, let's, you've used this term a few times and if it's, if it's super technical, we don't have to go way down the rabbit hole, but at, at a high level, what is, what is a passive house? So a certified, I guess there's a difference. A lot of people look at passive house and they just think, Oh, it's, you know, passive solar. Right. And they're, they we're just heating our house with the sun. That's very different than what I'm talking about is an actual certified passive house. So you can build, to that certification, which is one of the most rigorous building standards in the world. Uh, and it really focuses on uh, energy consumption from a heating and cooling demand, as well as air tightness of a building. And then obviously you get into making sure that you have proper ventilation, but mechanical ventilation, you don't want your walls to be leaking. So it's in terms of a certified passive home in our climate, uh, the least amount of insulation we've had to put into a wall, for example, was our 72 and a half. Whereas minimum code is, uh, depends on the package, but let's just that you choose because there's different ways you can get your, your permit, but let's just call it R24. Uh, so that gives you an idea of what we have to do to hit that standard with so that's like climate. almost three times the insulating power, right? Yeah. And in other cases, uh, that, that was my own house that we started with about nine years ago, not the one I'm in now I had sold it, but that happened to be a house that was designed on a bigger lot. And I bought the lot because we had Southern uh, exposure. So we could, we could basically build, we were on a perfect site for it. other sites, like in the city where you don't have perfect orientation, or you might have shading from a building next door or a big tree or something like that, which affects the performance of the home uh, that uh, those buildings were like R90 insulation, mm. right? So all those things affect, right? That once again, shading, people would think it, yeah, shading, if you have shading, uh, although it could help you in the summer, uh, it's also going to hurt you in the winter. Uh, if you are relying on some of that sun to come through for the heating, right? It right. could help you on the cooling side though, right? The, but these are all things that need to be factored in part of the design process. So just for clarity, do you only do passive houses or is that just an offering? No, that's just an offering, right? Most people don't go to that extreme. Uh, a lot of people lately have been going to like a net zero standard, uh, net zero energy or net zero energy ready, which is a new standard brought out by the Canadian Home Builders Association, which I think is is a great standard because it's not too extreme, but it's still What's, what's the difference things. between the two, net zero and net zero ready? We still have to model it. Uh, oh, sorry, between those two, it'd really just be solar panels. So if you design the home, to be net zero once solar panels are installed, but you don't install the solar panels, it would be net zero ready. Once you put the solar panels on, uh, then you would be net zero in theory. So, and there's so a difference being... too between net zero and off-grid, by the way. Okay. So that's another thing that's... <laughs> just because you're net zero doesn't mean you're like off-grid and you can survive the storm that, for example, just whipped through uh, the, the Ottawa area and took out power of thousands of people, right? So, so what's the... So... 
on a on a non off grid but net zero, you're still reliant on the grid. Yeah, yeah. Even though even though you have a solar power, the solar powers the solar panels feed into the grid, so you you get a net metering. So the only way that you could do that is you then have to spend money on batteries, right? So you if you go net zero but you're connected to the grid and you put solar panels in, what happens is that the solar panels just offset your bills. Right but you're not, you can't run off of it. If you want to run off your solar panels, you then need to add storage, which comes in the form of batteries and batteries are not cheap, right? right. So it depends on what you what you want to do. So the, the toughest thing with going off grid in our climate too is, is the fact that we have extreme cold uh, in the winters and you can't, the, the issue is heating your home and with another source, because if you're going to heat it electricity, because a lot of homes we do are fossil fuel free. And if you're off grid, like chances are you don't have access to natural gas, for example. Um, the And the idea, a lot of what they're pushing to, right, is to get off natural gas. But it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily make sense in our climate. Uh, it might be a combination. For example, we have an off grid home coming up that we're building. We have to factor in propane into it because uh, of what he wants and what he wants to heat and power off of it. Like the amount of batteries that he would need would be astronomical, right? You can't like, if you want to have an off-grid home, but still have some of the benefits of being on the grid, uh, then you have to factor that in. Like if you're going to put a hot tub in, you're not going to, you need a lot of batteries and a lot of solar panels to be able to power that. Uh, right. or you need to find another way to heat it, for example, or, or put the heat to, uh, heat through the propane and wood combination and just get as much as you possibly can there. So anyways, there's a lot of things, and this is why yeah. it's very much an integrated design process. It's not necessarily simple and everything we do is custom, right? Custom is expensive to begin with. Well, I should say it's cost more than if you're just going to go buy a house from a, from a builder who's, you know, building the same house a hundred times, uh, and giving you a smaller piece of land. Right. So. There's a lot of things uh, that need to be factored in. So one of the things I'm, I'm oh, sorry about that. I thought that was off. Um, one of the things I've been really interested in on, on this podcast, and I've had a few conversations like this with folks who've, who are trying to do, you know, really good things, but there's some tensions. Like, for instance, I chatted with one guy. He's, uh, he wants to make, he's a clothing maker and wants to make it as sustainable as possible. But there's a tension, right, between he wants to do within 100 miles sourcing and wants to do organic but within 100 miles there isn't an organic so he has to make a choice right. do i violate the 100 miles or do i have to violate the organic and a few of these conversations have come up with this sort of when people are a normal business that's just running business normal way is never subject to criticism for not doing things at the highest standard right but when someone puts themselves out as being, we are advocating for a certain thing. They then get criticized under what I sometimes call like a purity test. Look, I can find a way that you haven't lived fully to the thing that you're putting out there. So you're a fraud or you're greenwashing or you're not fully integrated, you know, some version of, of that kind of criticism that requires someone to be just pure or just not there. Does that, mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about your business thing. You gave the example of propane or natural gas. Like somebody comes in to buy a custom home and says, but I'm a food aficionado. So I want a gas stove top, you know, and mm -hmm. a, a gas stove top is not, you know, purely environmentally sound. So like, how do you navigate that? Um, and doesn't in fact ever come up as a tension or a criticism or a concern. 
Uh, well, I'm sure I get all sorts of comments online that might uh, not necessarily make it to me because I don't manage everything <laughs> out there, right? There's always trolls out there because we put a lot of stuff out. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I see our role and responsibility is, is to give all of the information required to the homeowner so that they can make a decision that suits them best, right? They can make that conscious decision. It's not us, right? It's not our product. We're a custom home builder and renovator. If you want to build it a certain way, that's up to you, right? We just want to make sure that we're building you a healthy, comfortable, and efficient home. And if you decide you want natural gas because you're putting in radiant heat, which is coming up on these projects that we're doing, it is the best way from an energy state. Like it, it uses the least amount of energy for heating in our climate, right? We're, we have to work within our climate. If you're building somewhere else, there's other options, right? If you're building somewhere where it's like between 15 and 30 degrees all year round, it's a very different uh, way of building. And I'm sure like, I'll be looking at, uh, we're starting to get some projects down south that I'm navigating right now. So it'll be, it'll be a different process. Uh, nice. But it's not, it's not up to me to say what's white, right and what's wrong. It's, it's really the client. It's what do they feel good about and what do they want to do? As long as we're still building to a better standard, that's what we're aiming to do. And if we were doing our own projects, yeah, we would approach it differently. If we were building our own spec homes, we would we would likely uh, approach it in a way that would be fossil fuel free, um, mostly because I believe in the res uh, if you can do it all off of one grid and just have electricity, you don't have to navigate getting propane or natural gas or anything like that. I feel like that's an easier way to do it. But batteries, you know, there's always the argument of you know how good are batteries for the environment. Right. Mm -hmm. If you if you have to choose one or the other, to be honest, I haven't done a ton of research, but uh, in listening to some conversations, that's not good for the environment either. <laughs> right. right. So choose your pick your poison. Uh, if if you have to put a whole lot of batteries in versus you know burning natural gas, yeah, natural gas is you know fracking is not good and so forth, uh, but it might be the best option in some cases. You know, burning natural gas is one of the cleaner gases to burn. Uh, mm -hmm. from the research I've done too, right? So, And on that, I'm imagining you, a lot of the technology and stuff I've read, the construction technology that's green focus is evolving rapidly all the time. Like how how much time do you have to spend keeping up the speed on all the latest and greatest developments and materials and processes? Uh, well, I guess that's where it's good to have the podcast and the channel because it kind of forces us to go out there and do some research. And I have a team to help us. And then I have conversations like this on the flip side where I'm interviewing people and I always learn a lot going that route. Uh, so luckily their construction is kind of one of those industries where there hasn't been a lot of change. We're still building the way we have been building for 200 years, at least where, where we are, we're still slapping wood together. And the only difference is, you know, we're now aware of insulation and air and more recently air sealing and the difference between air barrier and vapor barrier and so forth. And a lot of people still don't understand that where the changes are is really maybe in just the smart home technology, right? If people want to manage some of that, but solar panels, they don't necessarily change, right? They might get more efficient, but there's not a whole lot that's changing yet. And then there might be some new materials that come out like a different type of insulation and so forth, but we still have to navigate what would be allowed within our restriction. What's the inspector going to allow? Can we get the proper, has the proper testing been done, for example, but usually new products also cost more, right? So if clients want to use something different, we can, it's just, is it in the budget? And a lot of times 
we're all human. I've never done a job where they said, Hey, I want to build this and I have this much money. And they had more money than they had project. It's always more project than money. Right. right? So it's always a matter of how do we, how do we balance it out? It's usually a combination of, you know, getting more money and then uh, pulling out some of the requirements from the project. And the people who are interested in what you're doing, like what's the, what's the driver for the buyer? Like, is it, I want something unique. Like when Tesla came out, right. For cars, for instance, you know, he did a really smart move by making it a luxury vehicle. So you could want a Tesla without giving a rat's behind about the environment. Um, so he did something that attracted people to, you know, green cars without focusing on the green necessarily. Um, the people right. who are coming to you, are they coming because it's a higher grade of home because it's a more comfortable home or are they saying, no, I'm willing to put more dollars into this because I'm, I'm wanting to do my bit to make the world a better place. Like what's, what's their primary driver? It's kind of both, right? Cause they understand that it is a better home. So it does lead to a, a it's a comfort thing. It's a health thing and it's an efficient thing. And it's a, it's a long-term decision. Like it's, like I said, they're usually the people, people that we're working with are typically thinking long-term. They're not worried about trying to get the payback on their investment in two years, which would be amazing for any investment, right? right. I don't know why people want to get their investment so quick when it comes to uh, doing energy upgrades, for example. Um, yeah. But um, it's like 50% return anyways. But um, usually they're just thinking, you know what, I'm building this. I want it to be done well. I've lived in a, you know, the uncomfortable homes or, I, or I'm living if we're renovating it. The basement's way too cold. I have water or air leakage coming in here. I can't sit by the window because I can feel the draft. Like there's all sorts of little things. So it's a, it's a combination of comfort, but then they know that they also are doing their part because a lot of them are really involved in, in like the energy. So they want to reduce their, their footprint, right? They want to use less energy uh, yeah. and they want to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, mostly when it comes to energy consumption, not too many yet have come and said, hey, I'm really concerned about the carbon, the embodied carbon of the products we use. Some of them are, but it's usually not like, I've never had it be like the primary factor. It's usually, I want to reduce my energy use uh, and have a comfortable, healthy and efficient home. Right. Circle back to what you said about that return. I think that's a really interesting point that you made. I just want to kind of highlight it because there is there is stuff out. I, there's critics out there who will do this kind of look. It's gonna you know I, I invest in this energy and I don't get a return on it for ten years. But like you said, there's what kind of investments do you get huge returns in less than five yeah. or ten years? Yeah, exactly. Like if it's ten years, technically, uh, it's quick math. It's like well, is that ten percent? I guess it would technically be uh, less than ten percent if it's compounding. However, you're doing it right, yeah. but it's. It's, it's funny that when people think about it, when it comes to their house, they're expecting it. I'm going to put solar panels on. And, and a lot of times you can put solar panels on and just with the net, like keep your house as is, and you can get your money back in seven to 10 years, which isn't a bad investment, right? Uh, right. You're still making a, a decent amount of money. And then you'll continue after that. You're just paying less for energy. And we all know energy costs are going to continue to go up. I just filled up my truck today. Uh, and it was like uh, $2.13. A leader, you know what I mean? Like yeah. energy costs are going to go up, electricity costs are going up, natural gas costs, the carbon tax is out now, right? Like, anyways, all, all that, all that stuff is is happening. So if you can find a way to reduce your energy, you could probably get it back quicker than what we're predicting. It really just depends on where energy costs end up going. Yeah, and what? So the, and what's happening? The other benefits. Like, are, are you seeing? Are people? 
more attracted to this or is inflationary pressures making people back off or is they looking at the long-term savings or just because of well, eco-awareness? Like, are you, is, is, has there been any shift in demand in the last couple of years? Yeah. Like uh, the construction industry as a whole is busier than ever, right? We're, we're booking into 2023 and I'm sure in the next two months I'll have, I'll be booking into 2024, the way things are going. So Yes, there's a demand, uh, but I think there's there's just a demand because there's not enough. There's more work than we have workers in the construction industry. Uh, definitely, I'm not as familiar with the commercial world, but in the residential world, people are looking to expand. They're working from home. They need to change it, change their you know they need to add to it. Their kids are getting older. They need more space. They need another room, whatever it may be, um, or they just know that they're going to be there for a long time, and now they want to enjoy it. Right. right. So demand has definitely gone up. Uh, I think there's some current concerns that, you know, with interest rates going up, that things might change. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of money that was printed and a lot of money that was put out into the economy that hasn't been spent yet because people haven't been able to spend it. Right. So <laughs> it doesn't really, yeah, people are, are aware of it. And I'm talking to clients about that and they're aware of, of the, the interest rates and they're going up or we're trying to get things done as quickly as possible sort of thing. But the other thing that I always re remind people of is that sure, interest rates are going to go up, but material costs are are also going up, right? And and material costs in some cases might be going up quicker than what interest rates are going to, right? So there's and labor rates are going to go up, so everything's going to go up. So waiting is never going to necessarily yeah. be a good thing either, because interest rates might go up and then come back down, but material costs are never going to go back down to where they were. Labor costs definitely are not going to go down because. Right money, so much money has been printed, inflation's higher than what we're actually being told. People can't buy as much. So we need to pay our workers more, which means we need to pay or charge more. And that's for every business, not just construction, as I'm sure you've probably no. talked about on oh, other, yeah. <laughs> other shows too. <laughs> and on, on the labor front, it's actually an interesting, does your positioning um, as the conscious builder, does that, does that help you attract people? Like, is that from a worker standpoint, do people want to be part of an organization that's doing that? Does that Im improve your chances in the labor market? I would say yes. Uh, we still, like anybody, we still need to hire more people. We are very picky on who we're, who we bring on board, though, and we put people through three interviews before we hire them. Uh, so I think we get a a higher caliber of person that wants to work for us. Uh, we're not just trying to hire anybody, right? We're looking for specific people. Who one thing I've learned in being a business for so long is that you. You don't need people who have the same values necessarily, but you need people who are values that are aligned, right? If, yes. uh, with the business. And uh, that's ultimately what we're looking for. So if we can find people who have values that are aligned and they have a good work ethic and obviously they're, they're, uh, they have the skills required for the position, then that's kind of what we're looking for. We do seem to attract good people for sure. Uh, but like anybody, it's still tough to find those those people, right. To get, to get yeah. their attention. Um, like we, the, one of the, one of the people, we just had somebody start this week. And I remember when I talked to him is he was actually looking for a job and he had been listening to our podcast for years and somebody had recommended that they re he reach out to us. And he said, Oh yeah, I listened to their podcast. I completely forgot that they were in Ottawa. Right. So <laughs> he didn't, he didn't realize it till after the fact, but then there was already, he was already interested because of the fact that uh, 
he knew us, right? We had already built that reputation. He knew that we were good company and we've had good feedback because we've hired quite a few people recently and they say, yeah, this is a good, we, we, we think we got lots of stuff to work on, right? Cause we still have stuff as a business that come up, comes up every week, right? This, right. this happened, that happened, whatever we're dealing. And especially because of the projects we're dealing with. So we think we still have a lot of work. And I think we, I know we do, but a lot of people come in and say, oh yeah, you're actually, uh, this is one of the best companies I've worked at. Right. We've heard that a couple of times around a couple of new, which is really good. Good nice. to hear. And what do you attribute that? Like what, what makes it a best company? Well, I think it's uh, definitely the team. Uh, it's not me, uh, just me. <laughs> There's uh, I have a partner, my brother, Chad, uh, he's, he's the CEO. He's more the operations guy. Uh, and we have uh, some good key people in place as well. And a big part that I continue to push and we all uh, continue to remind people is that we're all on the same team, right? It's, it's not, we're not competing against each other. It's not, you know, we're not us against the clients or, you know, one job against the other job. It's, it's, we're working together and we're communicating regularly. And I found that most problems that come up, whether it's with a client or internally, it's usually because of a communication mm-hmm. issue somewhere. Right. So as long as we continue to keep those lines of communication open, then we can eliminate 90% of the problems. That Does that require least, a lot of time um, and effort to make sure that those lines of, and the reason I ask, there's a lot of, I talk a lot about culture in organizations and mm-hmm. sometimes people sort of shuffle that, shuffle that off over to HR or something like that, but, or they assume yeah. that because they hire good people, it's just going to naturally evolve. Yeah, do you find that's the case or do you require like intentional oversight? Oh, or- it needs to be intentional for sure. Well, not necessarily oversight, but it needs to be intentional in the, in the fact that you're always involved, right? Somebody has to take responsibility for it and be aware of it. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's a lot of work, but it's probably less work than the latter of having to deal with this stuff later, right? So for example, yeah. uh, in terms of what we do internally, like we have all of our lead carpenters who run our jobs. Uh, we have two calls with them every week. Uh, we have a projects call, which is more on the management side, just navigating because I'm doing the sales. So just lining up jobs that are coming up, current jobs, all of that stuff. Uh, there's financial calls, uh, monthly. There's a, a whole team meeting that we do uh, bi-weekly. So there's a lot of meetings or phone calls uh, throughout the weeks that seem to come up, they seem to come up really quickly. Uh, and we've adapted those as time has gone up too many, not enough sort of thing and, and kind of mm-hmm. adjusted times to make it work for people. But I find that those are, are helping um, as long as you keep them structured and to the point and for the reason that they're doing it. as soon as they start to, if they're not serving that purpose anymore, then you need to reevaluate, change it or bring it back on. Right. So, um, but once again, it's, a lot quicker to have those 30 minute calls here and there than it is to we'll let things go south for a long time. Cause I did that years ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just becomes like, you're just dealing with a whole lot of internal problems on top of all the external problems that you also have to deal with as a business owner. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned about the objectives of meetings. I, there's some systems out there, you know, where people are, mandated or guided to hold certain kinds of meetings. And I've worked with a number of clients who've sort of decided to follow those systems, but they don't understand why they're there. And you can actually see in the team that are there that they're, they're kind of dead inside. They're attending the meetings because they have to, but they have no idea why this agenda item is there or why we're having this conversation. And it, it yeah. undermines the culture that this system was meant to actually promote. So I love what you said, just make sure you're always thinking about 
is this meeting achieving its objective? And if it's not, how do we have to modify it? Yeah, exactly. Did you come to that naturally or did you get some hard knocks that took you to that? Uh, definitely some hard knocks, but uh, a big part of all these meetings, uh, well, they're kind of different meetings, I guess, were probably recommended by different people over the years too, right? And and just kind of listening to your workers, right? I think a big part of what we have to do as the owners uh, and the managers is listen to the guys on site. I think that doesn't happen a lot of the time, right? You're not watching the, the guys on there listening to the people on the floor actually doing the work. So I think that's a big part. So a lot of the stuff that we do is recommendations or suggestions from other people. Uh, and then my brother, my partner, who's very systematic and is thinking he's a mechanical engineer. Uh, he's very different than I am. He's more, I'm more, what's the next big thing? What do I got to focus on? Kind of thinking further out and visionary side. He's definitely the, how do we make what we already have better? Right. And right. if it's not working, what do we get rid of sort of thing? So he's that's a killer a big part of this is, is him is making sure that we stay on track with all these things. Uh, yeah. And then morale or not necessarily morale, but like the, the culture, a lot of times comes down to me, right. As, as the CEO, so to speak, the founder is I need to make, continue to maintain that and, and help out with that. Uh, but yeah. But what about you? How did you like, have you always been eco-conscious? I mean, you talked about when you had a kid that sort of shifted the business a little bit, but have you always had, you know, a green orientation or an, an ethical orientation, or did you come to this through some experiences? I definitely came to it. Uh, I like to think that, you know, I've always been thinking ethically, but a lot of times is that you just don't know. Right. So that's why the word conscious come, came into play is that either you don't know because, well, there could be a number of reasons, Like For example, I never thought about how is natural gas, like, how do you get natural gas? What's the process? Right. And, and is that good or is it bad? Uh, where do batteries come from? Is that good? Is that bad? Right. There's just a lot of questions. And I think if you ask a lot of questions and that, that's one thing that I, that I learned is that you just start to, as you ask more questions and better questions, you get better answers. And that's what I've learned through the personal development. And then where it all kicked off with the Tony Robbins event that I mentioned is that out of that event, the biggest thing that I learned is how to ask better questions. And right. that just started not even just to people or in conversations is to yourself. Why do you do certain things? Um, and where, you know, as a business, you know, how can you make it better? What is this? There's a lot of things that we do in construction and it's easy, especially when you get busy as a business owner, just to do things the way you've been doing it. Cause you've always done it that way and not necessarily think much more about it. But I think, um, by asking better questions, by, by actually giving yourself some time to think, uh, you can start to realize that there are other decisions that you can make as a business that will help. And, and it's definitely tricky as a business because it's some of your points you were saying before is uh, like for the example of the other person you were talking to, how, you know, is it organic or is it local to some extent? Yeah. Uh, those, those are, those are tough decisions that we have to make as a business. And uh, but you also need to make sure you make money, right? If your business isn't making money, then doesn't matter how good you do for the environment if you can't take care of your family or the, yeah, you want or to have the a business much longer. The people who work for you right? right so it's always uh it's i'm very much like all all or nothing try to do it all at once sort of thing but i've learned over the years too it's like all right you have to kind of have somewhat of a strategic we're going to start with this move on to that and 
and continue and then reevaluate, keep going and so forth. Right. It's like it's, building, you start with a foundation yeah. <laughs> and you put up the walls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now you're, you're wanting to help other cons- people in the construction business. You've got a con- conscious builder Academy, right? Correct. Yeah. We launched that that's online. Uh, so we're doing some online courses. The latest course that we released was how to market and sell passive houses and other uh, energy efficient homes. So it really walks through the process of what I do and how we get all of our projects and why we have, uh, I think at this point we're at like over seven and a half million of work locked in. Uh, so that's the latest course, but there's other stuff. There's a free course of like the top five things I wish I knew before I started my business. Uh, we're in the process of looking for some other teachers too, other than just myself, uh, uh, bringing in some more people on the building side side. Like I'm a, I, I know a lot, but I'm definitely the, the builder. I'm not the the building science, figure out the calculations, you know, what's the heat loss, uh, why, you know, what's the perm rating on this material, all all that stuff. So I'm hoping to find some good teachers on that, that can do a better job than I would. I can learn it and teach it. Uh, but, um, but I feel like we could find somebody who's better than I am at that. Uh, so there are a lot of exciting things happening there. Uh, and then we'll be doing some group stuff as well. And, and we have lots of plans, but one step at a time. (laughs) So where do people find out about that? You can just go to consciousbuilderacademy.com and, and everything is listed there. You can get the free course. You can check out some bundles that we have. Uh, you can reach out to us if you have any questions. And who's the, who, who is the ideal person for that? That would be really any contractor, right? We're, out, we're, we're building it for contractors. Uh, now, if you're a contractor who wants to shift and start to get more of those sustainable, green, energy efficient, passive, whatever word you're using for where you're building, like those, I call them high performance homes. So if you're looking to do more of those types of high performance projects, definitely go. Uh, But really any contractor could benefit from a lot of the courses that we're putting out there. For example, we have another thing that's, um, it's like a resolution toolkit where you're dealing with difficult conversations. So my wife has helped create some content there as well. And she's a She's a therapist by trade. She's not practicing right now, but her, like I've learned so much. I remember when I started my business and she was going to, she was doing her master's for psychology. I'm like, I don't need to know any of that stuff. Uh, it's not important, but that's like all I do now, right? It's just understanding people. <laughs> so we've, we've worked a lot of st- a lot of that and mindset into the products that we're putting out there as well. So there's, there's a lot of benefits, uh, and good, uh, good, uh, um, programs that we have for people or just toolkits that are, that you can just download as PDFs. I'm interested. You, so you started out of high school as a carpenter, but it sounds like you do a lot of learning or study or personal development. Have you always been that, or did you get into it? How much, how much time do you actually spend on study or education? Uh, well, I'm usually studying something every day, doing something like right now, non work related. Uh, but, uh, like I'm, doing Spanish lessons to learn that. Right. So there's always something, uh, cryptocurrency is another thing I'm really interested in. So I've been studying and watching stuff on that and being involved in that for the last couple of years, uh, on the construction side, always talking to people, right. Having those conversations just because of what we do. So we, I'm just naturally learning and based on the people I talk to, based on the projects that we do, especially the renovations, we usually have to figure out something different, something new. Uh, and, uh, and then I'm also reading, well, I love business books, personal development books, uh, mindfulness, uh, like I meditate every day. So there's always growth. I'm not one to sit in a classroom. I never liked that portion of it. Yeah. 
but you know, I'm listening to podcasts when I'm cutting the grass or driving the truck. If I'm not on phone calls, that is, and, uh, and always kind of feeding my brain. Uh, sometimes how important has that been to your success? Uh, extremely important. Cause usually those are the ideas. Like the thing that I've realized is that when you have a, a problem you need to solve, rarely does the solution or the best solution come to you when you're trying to solve it, right? When right. you're actively like, okay, what's the solution to this problem? It's usually when you're not focused on it, when you're out doing something else, when you're out walking, when you're listening to a podcast, when you're reading a book, when you're having a conversation with somebody, it's usually something else that sparks the solution for it. Uh, so that's why I think it's so important to continue to just be open and be very aware of what information you're putting into your mind. Uh, cause it also leads to other, other things and other benefits too, or, uh, detriments. If you're not careful with, <laughs> with what you're listening to or what you're watching or who you're surrounding yourself with. Right. And as you probably said many times in your show, you know, we are the average of the five people we hang out with most, but I would say that also goes for shows or podcasts that you watch and listen yep. to, right. If you're, if you're always listening to, to, or watching, uh, action movies where there's lots of fighting and arguments or whatever it may be, then there, that might be a pattern that shows up in your life, for example. Right. right. So just as a, as a quick example, or, or, um, whereas I find like, it's, it's kind of about training the subconscious mind. What do you want to look for? What are you interested in? Yeah. And the more you do that sort of stuff, the, the more these ideas come, there's no shortage of ideas. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. All right. Just what I do a little bit of a rapid fire near the end of these, uh, just yeah. a few questions. So, one, uh, one decision or action that most helped you get where you are. Uh, that was the, I would say the Tony Robbins, same yes to the Tony Robbins event when my wife said, Hey, do you want to go? And I said, sure. Didn't ask any questions, just said yes. And that was really the catalyst to a lot of our personal development. And which event was it? That was Unleash the Power Within. Yeah. And we did that about nine, 10 years ago. Nope. Uh, maybe 11 years ago now trying to think was like before wedding after wedding before kids i know it was before kids but <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah so that uh that was one decision that really changed it and i'd recommend he, he was doing them virtually i think he still is but he started doing them in person again so if you can get to an event that's kind of like the initial event that kind of kicks off and he promotes a lot of his other events so we've done so many more since then but that's like three and a half days of amazing people and uh a, an event if you're committed to actually doing and and being a part of it and doing the work uh, that can change your life. hundred percent. Nice. If you had to do it over again, what would you do? Uh, do what over again? The business? The... Yeah. Yeah. If you, had to, <laughs> if you had to do the business over again, what would you change? If anything, uh, or do differently? I would. Well, one of the mistakes was definitely not understanding like profit margin versus markup. Yeah. So margin versus markup. Um, so I think what I would have done, if I were to think of anything I do differently, would be manage the financials differently and be more aware of that. Obviously, 2020 hindsight. So in reality, I, I don't regret or I wouldn't change anything. Uh, but if I could somehow know how to manage financials better when I started my business, uh, that would have helped a whole lot more. That's funny. I, that's such an important issue. I actually created a tool that helps people just count, you know, reverse engineer margin into markup or markup into margin because people that's do great. get confused by that a lot. <laughs> um, you have that days, tool like online somewhere? 
Uh, I haven't posted it up anywhere. I use it with my clients, but yeah, if anybody wants okay. it, they can write to me. I'll give it to them. Um, That's great. On the days I enjoy most, I can be found doing what? Oh, well, I just came from camping. Uh, I like variety. So if we're not talking about work, I love uh, getting out camping. Uh, my son loves camping too. So that's where we just were for the last uh, four days. But um, it's like anything. I, I kind of like the variety. Like I love business. I love working on the business, but you know, we all need breaks too. So if I'm yeah. not working, I'm, you know, outside, you know, and or like it's where we are, you know, on the paddleboard and the kayaks or doing something like that. Um, but I, I also enjoy the work that I do. So uh, you'll find of I, I I would get I'd go crazy if I was just doing one or the other all the time. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two final questions. Uh, one personal quality that I most had to improve or overcome. Uh, my temper. Uh, mostly. Yeah, I guess it would be my reaction. So that came out mostly when having our son. I always say my son is my greatest teacher because he does what I do, not what I say. Yeah. Uh, and the temper thing is something that I need to, well, it only usually comes out when you're comfortable with people, right. Or something. So it's rarely comes out with a client or anything like that, but it would be with myself, uh, or with loved ones or people who are closer. Right. So, um, yeah. and I've, you know, the odd substrate here and there, but, uh, that would be something that I've improved on. It's interesting that a number of times the a, a version of that answer comes up like patience, temper, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. now no false humility. What's one personal quality that most contributed to your success? I'd say my ability to just act quickly and just go with things that I, that I, you know, trust my instincts and, and go with it. Uh, yeah, it's hurt us too, but I think that's helped us most. And I think that's something that I've heard a lot in other podcasts too, where, where you just need to make decisions quick and not necessarily, uh, sit on them too long or worry about if it's the right decision, right? I'm always right. like, all right, this, let's just go with it. And if we have to change it later, we will, but, uh, here's, here's what we're doing. And here's the next thing, you know, that's how the podcast got started. I found out about podcasts and then four weeks later we had a podcast, right? So those are, those are the things that I think has helped us the most. It's sort of a bias for action. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's always, nice. it's not knowledge is power. It's always action is power. It doesn't matter how much, you know, unless you're actually willing to act on it. And sometimes if you know too much, you might not act on it. So that's, that's great. You know, there's a, there's a thing in this, in stoicism, that's about that. It's like, you can read lots of books, but it's like, it's not about the volume, the size of the library. It's what, you know, it's the book you've gone back to 10 times. And am I really applying that piece? That's good. Listen, you've yeah. been super generous with your time. I really appreciate it. There's been a ton of, I think, really valuable stuff you've shared. I hope people get a lot out of it. Now, where, where can people find you apart from the, the Academy? Uh, well, you can also go to theconsciousbuilder.com if you are looking to have work done. And if you just want to learn about a lot of projects that we're doing, if you're just interested in building science and construction, uh, definitely go to YouTube and check out all the stuff that we're doing there. You already mentioned the podcast, but on podcasts are having like conversations with other people and, and learning that way, which is fantastic. But if you're interested in the projects that we're doing and what we're doing on site and you want to see it, then the YouTube channel, we have a, a ton of great content there. And the YouTube channel is The Conscious Builder? Yeah. Everything's the conscious builder. Yes. Nice, consistent branding all the way through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks for having me, Warren. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Hi, it's Warren Cogman here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoglin.com slash podcast slash apply. 
That's Warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N.com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag business that matters spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrencoglin.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters, and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.